I don't know about you, but <clears throat> always songs like that bring me to the Word of God usually, and I it feels like I feel like the Holy Spirit always brings my mind to certain scripture and things from the Word of God. And uh, I thought about the prodigal son, and how when he left, he said, "Give me." When he came back, he said, "Make me." <clears throat> and being a servant, being a servant, yeah. Uh, I'm a second-generation missionary to Germany. Uh, our family went over in 1977 from the Hillcrest Baptist Church in El Paso, Texas. Brother Bob Stewart was a pastor at that time. My father started the first work in 1979, and uh, I grew up in Germany. I went to German schools. It's a law. You have to go to school there in Germany. <clears throat> I uh, <clears throat> was saved at the age of six. Still thrills me, still excites me that I'm saved. Amen? I'll not ever get over your salvation and the joy of your salvation. I, the Lord started dealing with my heart about the ministry and being called into the ministry. Uh, by the way, my mom didn't call me. My dad didn't call me. Amen? One preacher said, my grandma used to say, your head's shaped like a preacher's head. What does that have to do with anything? But when you're called, you know who's called you, and you know the Lord called you. And our pastor, Brother Bob Stewart, said, if you can do anything else and be happy, go do it. But you won't have any peace about it if the Lord is calling you into his service as a preacher and as a missionary or as a pastor. And so I surrendered to that. Uh, the Lord started really dealing with my heart about, my, my, may I say this, when I started reading and studying the Word of God. The Bible says this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. And there must be that ear to hear and that seeking him and longing for him and the word of God in our hearts to have good success and to prosper, the Bible says. And so uh, I'd like to start with a video that explains a lot about the ministry and what the Lord has used me to do. I believe missions is all about church planning. Amen? Local, indigenous, New Testament Baptist churches, Baptist churches. Local Baptist churches. Amen? And I'm so glad to meet preachers and a church that is like-minded and understands the doctrine of the church. Amen? Amen? And though that's what I'm teaching, and that's what I'm preaching, and that's what we're continuing to do is to start churches just like that in Germany. Amen? Go ahead and roll the video please premier place to study medicine in germany and even throughout europe and frankenstein frankenstein comes from ingolstadt he actually studied medicine there uh tried to take lifeless matter and put life into it didn't succeed but off of that mary shelley and the fictitious frankenstein stories come from that but he was actually an historic character that comes from ingolstadt and then like i said the illuminati not only comes from germany but also comes directly from English stuff. So, yes, are there any questions? I want to open it up real quick. Are there any questions that somebody might have? Um, not all at once. And I know questions right after I start preaching, then you'll have a question, I know. Yes? Is there a lot of uh, Abraham Lincoln, like Abraham Lincoln? Uh, yeah, there's, uh, well, you got a lot of history. Uh, we have cities that have had their 1100 year anniversary 
And uh, so you have a lot of, lot of history, um, a lot of stories there, therefore, and so forth. The Middle Ages, um, I know castles uh, that were, they said, were built on ruins of other castles that go so far back, we don't even know who built that castle, things like that. And uh, then I start rumors, and then stories come out of that as well. So, yes, <laughs> yes, amen. But uh, no, no, there's a lot of history. I was explaining to some of the, uh, the, the, the pastor's daughters how that a lot of the roads, even through Germany, are, are an allée, what they call an allée, which comes out of the French. And Napoleon would use trees to give shade for his armies that were traveling on roads and then plant these trees next to the road and so forth. And so you have a lot of wars, you have a lot of stories and uh, things that come, come through, through those kind of things. So yes, yes, good question. Any other questions? Yes, yes, sir. Support, um, good, good. I'm, I've been pretty much fully supported. May I say this, though? You always lose support um, on a regular basis, and you always have to make up for some support. And right now, right now, things aren't getting any cheaper, just like I know they, they are not getting any cheaper here, but uh, they're not getting any cheaper in Germany. So people say, are you trying to raise support? Well, uh, every once in a while, you do have to raise support, and uh, if a church takes me on, I, I, I won't say no, uh, because you do just um, lose support on a regular basis, and I, I hate to say that, uh, but it is the truth, and uh, so I'm, yeah, 90, 90%, 95%, and uh, yes, yes, sir, yep, thank you for asking, yep. Some people ask me, how fast have you gone on the Autobahn? <laughs> a lot of places on the Autobahn have no... Uh, speed limit. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Yes. And uh, yeah, amen. And uh, in, since we're, Ingolstadt is a car city, you have to think about it. Over a third of the people work for Audi directly. And then another about 10,000 people work indirectly for companies that do things for Audi, logistically and things like that. And so I drove an RS6 performance on the A9, the highway that goes from Munich to Nuremberg, right past Ingolstadt, 172 miles an hour. An RS6 performance comes out of the factory with 605 horsepower stock. I mean, right out. Amen. <laughs> and uh, I thought if the rapture doesn't play, take place soon, I might go in an RS6. You never know. But uh, no, no. Uh, one of the men in, my, uh, in the church there, uh, I say my church, in the church, uh, the Lord's church, um, uh, he gets a company car every nine months, and he can take whatever he wants to and gets a gas cart and it doesn't matter how big the engine is, so praise the Lord. He always comes by and lets me drive it. So he's right with the Lord, you can tell, you know. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> yes. Okay, any other questions? Yes, sir. Yeah, it, the area where I'm at is staunchly Catholic. Uh, so is uh, Austria, which is just to the south of us. And um, in Germany, it, you can say it's about 50% Lutheran, 50% Catholic, but it would be predominantly one or the other depending on what area you are in. And that had to do with the influence of the king, and then they had uh, the wars uh, between the Catholics and the Lutheran. Of course, the Baptists, or the baptizers, they called them back then, were, were 
persecuted and killed from both sides. Yeah, amen. That, that is the truth, and they, Catholics write the history books, so you won't read that a lot of times, but that is the truth. And uh, yeah, um, the people there, uh, I would have to say just like in, in um, Romans chapter 10, uh, they, I think verse 2, it says that they have a zeal for God, but ignorantly, and they don't know, you know, they, they think by works or just by being a, a Catholic on paper, I can live the way I want to, but the Catholic Church will take care of my spirituality and so forth. And, uh, of course, they, they, there are people that have, do have a great zeal for God, um, but do it uh, ignorantly and not from the Word of God. And uh, so you have to take the Word of God and show them. And uh, I had a man, a man tell me once, he said, uh, I will stay in that which I have learned, which is a verse from the Bible, you know, and uh, from my childhood. But the very next verse says, that from what he's learned from the scripture, <laughs> and you have to take it in its context. I said, but what you learned is that what the Bible teaches, and then everybody that's in our church that used to be a Catholic will say this, I never knew what the Bible said and taught before I came here, and that's a great testimony. And by the way, the theme of our church is this, what does the Bible say? But what does the Bible say? Because that's what matters. That's what matters. Yeah. Tradition's always changing. And sand shifts. And it's shifting ground. But it's not the Word of God. Yeah. Amen. So that's, you really have to just give them the Word of God, give them the plan of salvation, uh, and allow the, the Word of God. Just release the lion, and it defends itself, and let the Word of God do its work. But we've had, listen, we've had people come to church two, three, four years, pretty much on a regular basis until they got saved. Until it clicked, until they realized, whoa, that's me, you know, and I'm lost, and I need to need the Savior. So, yeah, we've had people come a long time, uh, but we just pray for them and love them and keep on preaching the Word of God until they get saved. Amen. Any other questions? Oh, yeah, yes, uh, especially Catholics. Um, we're in a city, a city part of Ingolstadt called Geimelsheim. And uh, Geimelsheim, the council of Geimelsheim, had already ruled to kick us out of our building. Uh, our landlord had to actually sign the paper acknowledging that they had officially kicked us out. We had to sign the paper. But he said, but I can't officially or actually kick you guys out until you've found something comparable to the building. That's in the law. And uh, so as far as I'm concerned, it can take 100 years. And I said, we don't need that long. We just need to the rapture. And, uh, <laughs> and then you can have it. You can have it all. But um, now the Lord just, uh, yeah, opened the doors that we would stay there. The rent's real good and so forth. Uh, I've actually met some of the council member, and they're real mad. And they, they'll say, like, we thought we kicked you out of there and things like that. And I, I'll try to talk to them and, uh, you know, if you can uh, sensibly talk to them. But, uh, and I said, well, why would you rule over something you didn't even come and check out? Why don't you come and hear me preach? Why don't you have me come before the council and speak? Why? But, but in their mind, we're a sect. You know what I mean? In, my, we're, in their mind, we're a disease. We're a cancer and so forth. And they don't want us. Geimelsheim is actually one of the Bavarian top um, presentable uh, little towns that always win awards. And so they don't want, don't want anything else but Catholics in there. And so they try to drive us out. But uh, so far, we're still there. And uh, I tell them sometimes, we used to be here, 
And uh, in Augsburg, which is an hour just uh, southwest uh, of us, they killed uh, about 1,100 Baptists. 1,100 Baptists, church of 1,100 strong. And I tell them, we're back. We're back. So, <laughs> yeah, amen. Any other questions? Yes. Their economy is very strong. It's basically the the strength of Europe. Germany without uh, or, or Europe without Germany wouldn't uh, wouldn't float, wouldn't go. And uh, so Germany tries to start taking over Europe just by doing the EU, and then they run the EU. That's how the Germans do things, you know. And uh, but uh, yeah, it's a very strong economy. The automobile industry, uh, the machinery industry. They've always been very. Uh, let me put it this way. They've been very inventive. Um, they will pride themselves in one thing that they have is know-how. Know-how. They don't have a lot of raw materials. They don't have a lot of oil. They don't have a lot of things. My chemistry teacher in school, he would always say this, or I say always. He would say, um, you know why we were so feared in World War II? He said, if you captured a German soldier and locked him in the closet naked, two hours later he'd come out with a machine gun because he knew how to do it. He knew how to invent it. And, and he showed us how that they had run out of, out of one of the uh, things they needed to make gunpowder, and they invented a way to get it out of the air. And that's why we were so feared. And uh, so they have know-how. They're very, they have strong work ethics and things like that. It's a social system which is always doomed to fail at some point and goes towards that direction. Amen, it is. But since they have strong work ethics and everything, it, it still is pretty, pretty strong and still works. Uh, like one guy said, a uh, professor said, he said, communism would work if everybody got out and worked for the other. But people don't work for the other. <laughs> you work for yourself. Yeah, that's how it works out there, you know. And so if everybody was honest, but people aren't honest. So, yeah. Any other questions? All right, you can always, you, you don't have to, you don't have to make up some or anything, but you can always ask me also after the service. Um, if you want to drive on the Autobahn, you got to come over to Germany. Yeah, and, uh, but um, you can always ask me, and I'll be here throughout the whole conference. So, one more chance. Any other questions? Okay, open your Bibles. Open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. What is Matthew chapter 5? What is Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7? Anybody know? The Sermon on the Mount. Amen. Very important. Matthew chapter 5. By the way, while you're opening, uh, Brother Kuzel, I promised to tell you a story about Brother Kuzel. He, listen, he probably doesn't even remember this. Probably not. He won't. And he doesn't remember but, and uh, he probably blotted this out of his memory, but I came over to preach one time at his church, and then I went to Fargo and preach, and Brother Kuzel actually took me. You don't even remember this, do you? And he had the privilege of taking me, <laughs> and I preached there in Fargo, and then Brother Silcox had me preach uh, at the college, or at, at the chapel time there, and be at the college, and um, 
And Brother Silcox, you know, if you know Brother or knew Brother Silcox, you know, you didn't talk back to Brother Silcox. If he told you to do something, you did it. Even if you were a missionary, even if you're a preacher, even if you're already out of college. So we're sitting back there, and Brother Silcox says, You two young men there, I want you to take the test. We're having a we're having a pop test. And it's ten questions. You got to get seven right to pass or more. And if you get less than seven right, you fail. Okay? And that goes for the students and for you too. I'm, sw- I'm sweating it out. You know, I'm thinking, here goes my support. Anyway, I, <laughs> I just got it. Now I'm going to lose it. Yeah, anyway. So we, I take the test. Brother Kuzel takes the test. And, and uh, we both get eight questions right. Eight. Eight. Except, except mine said pass and Brother Kuzel said fail. And, yeah, and brother, brother Kuzel's like, this isn't right. What's going on? So he said, let's go up and ask Brother Silcox. And I don't want to go up. I, hey, the only thing I could do is change my past. You know what I mean? So I said, okay, I'll go with you, Scott. I'll go up there. So we go up there, and, uh, and Brother Silcox says, oh, I can explain it, Scott. I can explain it. He said, uh, he said Seth. What did you put down on question number five? And I said, I do not know the answer to this question. And he said, now, Scott, what did you put down on question number five? He just read it. I do not know the answer to this question either. Either. Yeah. I'll never forget it. Yeah. I don't remember that. I tell, you might not, but I tell it in all the churches I go to, Scott. So you'll probably come across it at some point. Oh, yeah. We're going to look at one verse. I think we're going to stay. We're actually going to stay in one verse. But I'll go and make reference to other portions of, of the Scripture and so forth. But look with me in verse 41. Jesus is teaching here the Sermon on the Mount. And in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 41, he says, And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. You've probably heard that, haven't you? To go the second mile. Let's pray. Lord, we come before you. Lord, we are frail, prone to wander. We feel it. Prone to leave the God we love. Yeah. Lord, there is that that propensity in us, that gravitation that pulls away from you. Lord, are we praying tonight that you might draw us, that you might bring us nigh, that you might speak to us. Lord, that we might have ears to hear. Lord, teach us your truth as only you can. We want to dedicate our hearts and our minds and our ability to you. Give you the thanks and the praise what you'll do in our midst. We pray this now in Christ's name. Amen. I'm convinced not only when we get saved, we are new creatures in Christ. Everything has become new. And listen, if we pattern our lives after Christ and his thinking and his economy and the way he sees things, the way he measures things, the way he he commands us to do things, listen, that our lives will be flowing. The Bible says, Jesus said, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink, and out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Not stagnant, 
but it'll flow, it'll move, and will be like trees planted by the river, bearing its fruit at, uh, uh, during the season when it should bear fruit. We will have life, and we will have life more abundantly. And listen, and this will be, will be untouched by this world and the circumstances of life. And even though, listen, even though the circumstances might not always be positive, quite maybe the contrary to that, but there is still that hope and that peace and that joy that passeth all understanding. If we'll pattern our lives and learn of Christ, just simply obey him and do his commandments. But I'll submit him to you and I'll give fair warning. If we continue to pattern our lives after the thinking of this world and the thinking and the, just the, how would you say the, I'm thinking of the German word here, the philosophies of this world. I'm glad the word is almost the same in German here. I got a German sermon right here. <laughs> then we will continue to live frustrated, up and down roller coaster lives just like the world does. Yeah. There are a lot of Christians that live frustrated lives. And it's sad. It's sad, but it need not be. It need not be. You've got the Word of God. I got the Word of God. You've got a preacher that preaches the Word of God. You've got a church that loves the Word of God. And you could submit your life and learn from Him and pattern your life after Him. Amen. Jesus says, watch, if you look at this portion of text here, it's very interesting. I preached in English at Germany a whole series on the Beatitudes. Blessed, blessed, blessed. And then it goes into, watch, ye will then be what? The light, the salt, and the light of the world. Not dispense salt, not dispense some light, you'll, but you'll actually be salt and you'll be light in this world. Appropriating the Beatitudes to, to your life. Yeah. And then, watch, in the Sermon on the Mount, he gives us practical examples what that would look like and how that would be. Don't you love practical preaching? I do. Man, so we sometimes have professors and I'm like, and especially, I remember going to the junior college I went to in, in Germany and with a degree in physics, and I remember, I love math and I love physics, but sometimes it got so abstract that I'm like, oh, well, what can I use this for? Sometimes you might have theology and you're thinking, how do I live this? I mean, don't you, don't you love it when a preacher makes it plain and says, this is what it means and this is how you should live and this is how you appropriate it to your life. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Watch. He says, and whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. Now, to understand this, I think we also need to understand the context to those that he is speaking this to. Now, I know all scripture is, is profitable for all ages and all people at all times. I know that. But we have to understand, watch, he is talking to those that at the moment are under Roman government and under Roman rule. And at that point, under Roman rule and government, any Roman official had the power and the authority to tell any non-Roman official to tell them to go a mile with them and to bear their things 
armor, shield, whatever, and you had to do it. You had to do it by law. You could not get out of it. But watch, after a mile, you could throw it all down. You didn't have to go one step further. You had to do it. But now Jesus says, now think about it. I don't just want you to go, let's say a Roman soldier comes over and says, carry my stuff. And the Romans were very, very inventive and very, very smart how to travel far and get far. And that was one of the ways in the, the systems or the strategies that they had to, to, to tell other people that were non-Romans, carry my stuff and watch. After a mile, he'll find somebody else to do it. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. But now he says, watch, not only do I want you to go that first mile, of which you have no choice, you have to, but Jesus says, now I want you to go the second mile. Now you've got to think about this. That flies in their face. If, hey, let's, let's say Russia came over, I'll just use Alaska, came over and took Alaska and besieged, or I say besieged it, it, took it under control, and now everybody living here is under Russian control. And I said, you know, you need to support them. You need to help them. You'd say, yeah, right. That's about the last thing I'll do. <laughs> no, really, and I'd say the same thing. I will not, I will not bend one finger for them if I have, and, unless I have to. And Jesus says, watch, you got to do this, but now I want you to do that which you don't have to do. That goes, it flies against everything, every fiber of their being. Do you understand this? You know what he's also teaching here? We find it in, <laughs> in the Sermon on the Mount. To love your enemies. Yeah. yeah. He teaches that. And he says, go the second mile. That basically means this. Listen, you might want to write this down if you're taking notes. To be willing to be put out by someone that does not deserve it. That's the mindset of the second mile. To be willing to be put out by someone who does not deserve it. You know what I've noticed? I, I'm sure these preachers have noticed this too. You know, it's hard enough to get people to go the first mile. To do what they're obligated to do. It's hard enough. Somebody says, I'll serve God. I'll avail myself to the work of God and to the ministry of God and to do things in the church and things. As long as it fits into my plan. As long as it fits into my time schedule. Now, looking at this crowd, this innocent-looking crowd right here, I don't think anybody would make that statement. Let me ask you this, but does your life make that statement? Huh? You know, I, on Sunday, if you were here, I preached on hell. And I dare say, I, if I was a betting man, I'd bet that everybody here, if I asked you, do you believe in a place called hell? Do you believe in the in the fervency? Do you believe in that? Do you believe it is the worst place you could ever go to and avoid at all costs? Do you believe actually that there is really actually the reality is there's a place called hell and a lake of fire? I bet your hands all over the room would go up. I remember heard I heard a story once of two high schoolers going buddies that went to school together. One was saved and one was lost. And the one that was saved would frequently 
witness and try to be a witness to his friend, sometimes very directly, sometimes even pleading with him. And he'd tell him, sometimes, I mean, just gunpoint, just tell him, if you die without Christ, you'll forever perish. No hope. You'll lose everything. And he pleaded with him sincerely. And he had, of course, the leeway to do that. It was his friend. After high school, then they were separated. 20 years later, they got back together. Reunited basically through a business trip, not even planned, but they spent three days pretty much together. After those three days, the lost one looked at the saved one and said, hey, do you still believe in all that stuff? Heaven and hell and all those things you used to tell me from the word of God and you used to plead with me and tell me and beg me and you still believe all those things? And he said, well, well sure I do. And his friend said, I don't believe you. I don't see how you can say that. Because, if, hey, if you did, you would have told me at least one more time. <laughs> you, you would have begged me at least one more time. You see, the question of hell, whether you or I, us, whether we believe it or not, might be better asked by those that we spend time with and rub shoulders with every day. Or our neighbors friends, acquaintances, co-workers. And if I said to them, does he or she believe in a place called hell? Would they say, well, you know, we never talk about that. Talk about the weather, talk about politics, talk about sports. Never talk about those kind of things. I don't see how they could. Yeah. Listen to the, listen to the testimony that we have and the life that we live and our interactions with those that are lost will show directly, not what you say from your lips, but the life and the action you take and the decisions you make towards them will show whether or not you actually believe in a place called hell. That's what I'm talking about. Not what we say, but what we do, who we are. Mm -hmm. It's absolutely right. So we'll shift gears here and we'll go to the second mile. You know, going the second mile, first of all, is this. The evidence of your love. The evidence of your love. Okay, we've got, I notice we've got families here, we've got husbands, we've got wives here. Now listen, let's say the only time you did anything special for your wife is on her birthday and on Valentine's Day and on the anniversary. Watch, that's the first mile. You, that's required. That's required. No, I'm going to do it. That's required. You have no choice in that. That means nothing. Somebody says, man, I've been trying. No, no, no. The evidence of your love is when you come home and you say, here's some flowers, honey. Let's go on a date. Come on. And she's like, is it a special day? You're like, nope, nope. Just out of the blue. Just over the top, that's the evidence of your love. Amen. It is. It's when you go beyond what is required, shows your evidence and love. Not when you only do that which you're required to do. You know, it's also that which brings the greatest joy in your life. 
I remember growing up in Germany, we had a what they call a half house. It's a house and then divided, and there's two parts to it. I, I'm sure they have that here. It's whatever. And uh, whatever it's called, um, a duplex or a, I don't know. Anyway, and we lived on, a, on, a, on kind of a hill on an angle. And I was responsible, as the single boy of the family, I was responsible for the chores outside. And my two sisters had to do the chores on the inside. My two, uh, listen, my, I've got two beautiful, long hair growing out of their back, sisters. I mean, just beautiful beings. Anyway, some of you caught it, some of you didn't. Anyway, and, uh, and I don't even know what they did on the inside, but I knew what I had to do on the outside. I had to mow the grass. I had to wash and wax the car, and I had to clip the hedges, and I had to, uh, for the garden, I had to plow it before the season or after the end of the season, basically. But I remember specifically the hedges. I hate hedge clipping because we had an electric hedge clipper. I hate electric. I hate electric yard tools, no matter what. Now I know today we've got these lithium battery packs, and they can go all day long or whatever and all that. We didn't have it back then. We had cord, an extension cord, and think about it. You're on an, you're on this angle. You're fighting all the shrubs, and you're fighting all this on an angle, hard enough to do it. Trying to clip the hedges, and you're fighting this cord. And every once in a while, I'd clip it. Oh, yeah. And then I got to go up to the attic, and I got to splice it, and I got to solder it, and I got to put it back together, and go back down. I'm mad now, you know what I mean? And oh, I hated that. But watch. But then we'd sometimes go over to help of the church. We didn't have to. But we went over and we'd do the work, and we just, man, we just work and work, and it's so fun. And my dad's like, man, you're just. You, you hate and loathe to do it in I'm like, I know, but I don't have to. <laughs> Brings joy. I remember we'd go over to people's houses, and, and they'd have food for us. And man, we'd just be tearing into it, and we'd be eating it. And my mom would look at us, and she'd say, I put the very same stuff in front of you at home, and you won't touch it. And here you're just gobbling it up. <laughs> yeah. You see, when you're not required... And it's going beyond, it's that which brings the most joy. Not only that, it's that which brings peace. Peace. Now, think about it this way. I just want to stretch your mind just a minute. Let's say a Roman soldier does come up to you. And he says, now listen, you know the law. And you go, yeah. And he says, well, I've got this backpack and i got this shield. And i got my Roman sword and so forth. And you got to carry this mine. Let's say you're walking down with them and you're on your way. And you maybe tell them, you say, you know what? You know the, the, the Syrians over there or whatever, they attacked us and you guys defended us. Man, I appreciate that. I respect you guys. And the, 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 your swords and your tactics and how you fight, man, that is really neat. And he's, he, he might look at you and think, yeah, and as soon as I turn my back, you'll stab me. Yeah, it's all blah, blah, blah to my face. You know what I mean? I'd like to hear what you say behind my back. That's what he's thinking. Wait a minute. Now, 
you get to that end of that first mile, and you say, you know what? I got time, and I feel pretty good. I'll go another mile with you. Ooh. Now he's like, he's looking at you like, what? Watch. And now, listen, now everything you said carries weight. And it has a foundation. And now there's a testimony. And now he says, you know what? I think this guy really does like me. I think this guy really does appreciate me. You know, Christians, a lot of times, sometimes they say, we go up and witness and we wonder why it carries no weight. Why people are looking at us like, yeah, right. Sure. You know what? You want to know why? You know, we say we have love, but we never go the extra mile. And you can tell somebody, watch, you can tell your neighbor and you can tell your coworker that, hey, this is what matters. This is what's most important. I love you and so forth, and I'd like to share this with you. This is the most important thing that happened to me. But watch, you're, you, you act just like they act. You know how you go the second mile? Watch. Go with me. We'll look at one more verse. Go with me real quickly to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. You don't have to keep your place there. I think we can remember that verse. But 2 Corinthians chapter 12. How do you go the second mile? How is it done? 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Look with me in verse 15. Paul, servant of God, says, I will very gladly spend and be spent for you. Now look at me. I will very gladly spend and be spent for you. That's twofold. He says, look, I will very gladly spend. That means he'll give of his things, of his possessions, whatever he has, and be spent. That means I will give my body. I will give my sweat. I will give my toil. I will give my blood. I'll give what I am, what I have and what I am. That's what he said. Though, follow with me, watch, though the more abundantly I love you, the less I be loved. That's what a lot of people miss right there. That's what a lot of people miss. Ah, preacher, I tell you what, I've helped four people in the church move. Now i got to move and nobody's there to help. I just, I don't know, I just can't, I don't know, I just can't, I just can't keep a good attitude that way. Bless your heart. You expect it to be a give and take, give and take situation? You help me, I help you. You scratch my back, I scratch your back. You hit me, I hit you thrice. No, you get ahead. You don't just get even, you get ahead. That's how this world goes. Yeah. But watch, Paul said, look, Paul said, if somebody says, I help and I do and I do, yeah, hey, Paul said, though, the more abundantly I love you, the less I be loved. I tell you one thing as a preacher, you'll learn real quick. You go help people, you go counsel people. I remember I drove, I don't know how long, to counsel a family, a couple, 
for I don't like nine, ten months. They started coming to church. At the end, they got mad at me, and at the end of this, and they blew up, and they went out, and I could have said, thanks, bucko. I saved your marriage. Thanks a lot. But wait, whatsoever I did, I did unto the Lord. Amen. That's the attitude we better have. And Though the more abundantly I love you, the less I be loved. Listen, be sure whom you serve. God or man. Because don't, hey, don't expect to thank you always. Don't expect that love to be reciprocated, reciprocated. And think about it this way. In everything Christ did, he went the second mile. Everything he did. I was once preaching on love. And I said this, I said, did, it, did Christ ever meet anybody he didn't love? Who did Christ meet he didn't love? Well, nobody. Somebody says, well, maybe the Pharisees. No, at the end, he looked over Jerusalem. He said, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. How often would I have taken you under my wings like a, a hen her chicks? But ye would not. Not ye could not. Ye would not. But he loved them. He loved them. Now Paul says this in Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And we can say in and through me. So the question tonight is this, who is Christ meeting through you that he doesn't love? And I'll tell you one thing that won't cut it. Well, they're not loving me. Well, they're not helping me. Paul said, that's not how it works. And listen to me, you, if you want to live that way, you can. But don't expect the joy. Don't expect the peace that is untouched by the circumstances in the world. Don't expect it. Don't expect, watch, the joy he had going through all he had. The foxes have holes and the bird has nests. But the Son of Man had nowhere to lay his head, watching all the things that how people hated him, how people persecuted him, but there was still joy, there was still peace. And Paul, the same thing. And we look at Paul and we look at those circumstances and we say, how could that be? They understood the second mile. The Christians scratched their heads, and the only thing they can figure out is, how can this be? But you only go the first mile. I remember going to Bible college in a city called East Peoria, Illinois. It's called Fellowship Baptist College. It's out of a Abraham Baptist Church, local church there. Preachers out of the area were the, the teachers, the professors. There are a lot of people there in that city that used to go to church. A lot of people, and, and even in, in, in pretty poor houses and things. And I remember there was a young man. We, we went and we visited, and he said, yeah, I want to come to church. And we picked him up the next day, and... And, uh, man, he had his, his hair combed as good as he could, and he had a shirt on that was too big and shoes on that were too big. It evidently wasn't his, somebody else from the family. He had a book. He thought it was the Bible. It wasn't. It was some storybook about the Bible. <laughs> some people would say, what can he do for us? Nothing. Nothing. What can he give the church? Nothing. 
But he did need somebody to go the extra mile. You see, somebody's daughter, somebody's son, somebody's mother, somebody's dad so desperately needs you to go the second mile. They're not even nice to me, my neighbors. What does that have to do with anything? You show the love. You be the one that's nice. You go. You talk. Hey, you tell. You invite. You do what's not required. That's not social etiquette. Well, why don't you just do what's beyond that? And go the second mile. So the question tonight, listen, this is so simple, this sermon. Is very simply this, will you go the second mile? You have no choice about life in many things. I had no choice when I was a kid going to church. If I didn't go, I'd get beat. And I knew it. I even cried. <laughs> and you have no choice about so many things, but watch. But to go the second mile, you have to decide, I will spend and be spent. And lay your life out there. Present it, watch, as an offering, which is your reasonable service. So will you simply go the extra mile? Surely you're not expecting a missionary across the world to do something you're not willing to do here, are you? Are you? Surely not. So watch. Mission starts, just like we heard, at the home, and it starts with you here in your community going the extra mile. You know, giving your tithe is the first mile. You have to give your tithe. You know everybody here gives their tithe? All members here give their tithe. That preacher says, that's new to me. Now, some people don't give it to the storehouse. <laughs> they pay it in bills, hospital bills. They pay it somehow, but they don't get away with not paying it. You're not going to deceive God. It's required. But watch, going beyond and then giving your life to missions and giving to missions that somebody else can go do something that you can't do here. Watch, and that is going the second mile. There's the joy. There is that peace in there, knowing that fruit abounds, abounds unto your account. Oh, man. I would dare say this. The greatest joy is knowing that you're saved and the joy of your salvation. But then second to that, I would say, is to be instrumental in seeing others get saved. You say, I don't know if I agree with that. Then you have never probably been a soul winner. Led someone to Christ. You would have to agree with that. You would have to. And it's simply going beyond what you're required. Will you go? Second mile. Lord, we thank you for this time together. We thank you for your word. Cut so deep. Straight into our hearts and the entrance of it. The motives. And you, Lord, you know us better than we know ourselves. You know our lives. 
You know, if we have that give and take attitude, I'll only do this if somebody does something for me. Or whether or not we're laying it out. We're willing to be spent and to be spent, even if nobody loves us. Even if nobody goes with us. Even if nobody else is a soul winner, I'll be a soul winner. Even if nobody else goes to church, I'll go to church. Nobody else reads their Bible, I'll read my Bible. I serve the Lord. Lord, you know whether or not we're going the second mile. Whether or not we have that life that over that overflows. Or whether there's a bunch of sponges in here. Sucking it in. Nothing going out. Because we simply won't and understand to go the second mile. Beyond that which is required. Speak to the hearts, Lord. Convict us. We pray this now in Christ's name.